Welcome to the Tilted Coaching Podcast and I'm your host, Sheila Walsh. My background is in coaching psychology and organisational consultancy. If it has something to do with people, I'm usually involved and interested, whether it is about personal development, professional development, leadership, relationships, managing or anything else that involves the care of people in some way. A friend of mine encouraged me to do this podcast because he believed that I should bring my insights and my understandings into a really simple bite-sized collection and this is what you have today. I hope you enjoy the Tilted Coaching Podcast. Please do rate us if you find it interesting and you can always pop over to our Patreon account to sponsor it. In today's episode, there's a trigger warning because I speak to Mary Crilly, the manager of Cork's Rape Crisis Centre or known as the Sexual Violence Centre in Cork. We will be discussing consent, rape and abuse and Mary will share her opinions and her views on this topic. If you're affected by anything that you hear today or by any of the topics discussed, please find resources and supports in your local area either through Google or through different outreach services in your area. My name is Mary Crilly and I'm CEO of the Sexual Violence Centre in Cork. I've been involved in the centre for the past 36 years and I think what I want to keep doing is keeping the conversation going about sexual violence and that's really what's important to me and what I'm passionate about and by doing that we're involved in a number of campaigns mm. and we also provide counselling and support in the centre for survivors of child sexual abuse, of rape, of sexual harassment and of sex trafficking and other kind of things that would have happened to people that are sexual violence. We started off in 1983 as the Rape Crisis Centre mm. and we were the second centre in the country, Cork Rape Crisis Centre. A number of years ago we changed it um, to Sexual Violence Centre Cork because I was still meeting people who were saying my brother, I didn't know my brother could come in. I wasn't raped um, because I knew the person and he just forced himself on, on me. Maybe I misheard him. Maybe he didn't understand. I don't think he gets it. Mm. Um, I don't get him into trouble. Um, I didn't want it. I kept saying no, but it wasn't rape because it wasn't a stranger pulling me in from the street. Mm. So we thought, okay, it really is hard for people to say that they've been raped, even ones who know they've definitely been raped. Mm. It's hard to use that word because then what do you do? How do you cope with that? How do you deal with that in your life now that something so horrific has happened to you? So I think people, to manage, to survive... They often say something happened and I didn't want it, but not name it. So um, we changed the name to Sexual okay. Violence Centre Cork. And it's a bit like, if it didn't work, we could have changed it back. It wasn't a deal. It was about how more inclusive can we be? Mm. What can we do to help people come in and get the support they need? So I think because in this country, the stats back in 2002, and thankfully they've been done again, would have shown that one in five girls and one in seven boys in this country were abused as children. Mm. One in five and one in seven. And as adults, one in five girls are going to be raped or sexually assaulted in this country. And I think with males, it's going to be like one in 30. I think men are more likely to get their head kicked in than get raped, but it still does happen. Mm. And I think the range of people who get raped are from age zero to age 80, 90, 100. There's no age. Um, and we need to talk about this because the assumption is that it's only young girls get raped mm. and it's probably their own fault anyway. So victim blaming is a huge thing to me. Anytime I go out and talk or speak 
or present, I always talk about victim mm. blaming because it does my head in. Like we need to look at rape as it is, as a crime of power mm. and a crime of control. If we look at an elderly woman, and we've met many elderly women who've been raped. Look at an elderly woman in her 70s who's mm. been raped. Look at a man in his 50s, 60s, maybe a straight man who's been raped. Mm. Um, and we're appalled by it. And we think this is horrific. And the guy that did, did it should be caught and should be punished because it is so wrong what he did. Because we see it as him doing something to another human being that he'd no right to do. Mm. And it's very black and white. We see it as a crime. We don't see it as a sex crime. We see it as something mm. that was done to somebody and that was wrong. Um, but when it comes to a young girl then being raped, all of a sudden it's grey. Why is it grey? Talk to anybody and they will say a young girl, 18 to say 24 or even older, it was her fault. She was asking for it. Why did she put herself in that position? Um, why was she walking there? Why was she drinking? Why did she go home with him? Why did she do this? Why did she do that? But if somebody else gets raped, it's very clear that it has absolutely nothing to do with her. Mm. It's to do with the perpetrator. Because that girl could be in the same position with many other guys and nothing will happen to her. Mm. But with this particular guy, something has happened because he's decided it's going to happen. It's nothing to do with her. Mm. There's no way she can prevent it. Mm. And like young girl, and, and like where people get caught is 80% of them are raped by somebody who they know. Mm. 80%. So these guys really go very close to home. Like they might go be your brother's best friend. They might be your best friend's husband. They might be like saying, fresh as last year, where we came across a number of young girls. A couple of them were kind of saying it was people from their parish. Now, when you use okay. that word parish, it makes it very friendly, very warm, very homely. And they were young girls who were first years who would have met a guy from the parish or a party, or he would have said, I'm not staying here, you're all too young here. Maybe in the village or town where she was, she really liked him. Mm. He's now two years ahead of her. They're in a different scenario. He says, I'll come back for you and I'll walk you to where you're staying because you might get lost. And then he rapes her on the way. Mm. She's caught in kind of... Um, she has lost the excitement of going to college, the excitement of a new thing. She mm. feels it's her fault. She doesn't know what to do. She can't leave college because her parents have really struggled to pay for it to go there. Mm. At Christmas time, she's going to be seeing him. And every other part of the year, she's going to be seeing him strutting yeah. around the place. It's not over for her. Like I did a, a talk with psychologists the other night and uh, what they wanted to know is what to do how to help, help people get through it when it's over. And I'm saying it's never really over mm. because you nearly always know the person and they're always around the place, yeah. always strutting, or else you've lost all your friends. So that girl was really caught in the first week. This man of her new decided life. Yeah. to do this. He knew exactly what he's doing. Mm. And he did it before. Like perpetrators who do this will start at age 13, 14. They never start when they're 18. Like that, that was a stalking situation. That was a, a perpetrator on watch. You know, okay. and that's what it's about, and that's what they do. It's never kind of an urge at the end of the night. Oh, I'm I'm gagging for you. I have to kind of do this. I can't help myself. Mm. Um, that's what it's about. So, it really drives me mad when you can see this, and when you meet those women or young men who've been raped, and when all of a sudden society decides because of their age or because maybe they drank that it was their fault. Like mm. I mean, I think I think what's on in the Everyman now asking for it yeah. really clearly shows that. I think. Um, the film now on Netflix, Unbelievable, okay, is, I haven't seen it. is phenomenal. It really okay. shows it. I think anybody who watches Unbelievable and who comes in and says, how can you support somebody who's been raped, yeah. watch that film. Okay. Because it'll know exactly okay. uh, just the way she was treated after it, how society treated her, how the police treated her. It was excellent. It's just really kind of how it is. So for me, what I'm passionate about 
is keeping the conversation going. Okay. But it's really including people like you, mm. like you're the future. I could kind of sit here, we could sit here in the centre and just provide counselling and forget about the rest of it. You know, we have two main aims and the first really is to raise awareness and mm. educate and prevent. The second one is counselling and support. Mm. Every other centre is reversed. Every other centre is counselling and support first. And then okay. if we have time, we'll do the rest of it. Or we've, okay. the, you know, and I don't mean anything by that with other centres because none of us get paid for the other part of the work too. Yeah. So we'll pay for the counselling and not the rest of it. But I'm also aware that only... Um, 10% of people will ever go into a centre. Yeah, and I think Especially that's Irish people, they're very private. Mm. So you have to get the word out that it's not your fault. Mm. And we have to keep this conversation going. And we have to keep arguing with people who kind of stop me and who say, but you know what, Mary, I mean, look at the girls are wearing now. They're driving the boys demented. And I'm kind of saying, well, I don't think men are programmed to rape. You know, yeah. and it's a bit like... You I know, think they're underestimating men when well, people the, say things the majority like that. aren't yeah. doing it, but the men need to start standing up. I think the good men need to start yeah. standing up. The ones who kind of say they'd never do it, and I know they wouldn't, but they know who else is doing it. But it's still part of that gang, mm. and they're not standing up and saying, "Hang on, you, you know, don't do that." Mm. They just kind of say, "Well, you know what he's like," mm. or leave it at that. Um, and like I bet you it was their sister who's doing it. They wouldn't kind of say. Yeah, and I we think that's it. the issue. We is leave that it like that. So everybody has to stand up. And I think we can make a change. You know, if you look at years ago, you wouldn't dream of um, not having a few pints and driving home. Yeah. Put on your seatbelt and you're a wimp. Mm. You know, whereas now that's all changed. Yeah. You wouldn't drink and drive because there's both a mind change in society and there's political will behind it. Mm. So if we can get people to see rape as a crime, as a violent act, not necessarily something that happened to a young girl and sure the poor boy didn't know what he was doing and she mm. looked the way they're putting themselves around the place and why that do drives me mad and why do you think we're doing that why 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 is there this resistance to acknowledging it as it is because i think it's the way girls and women are treated in this world we're treated as kind of objects we're treated as sex objects we allow the we tolerate kind of pornography we tolerate mm. girls getting raped in pornography anally and vaginally and every mm. other kind of way where it looks as if she's enjoying it. She's not. How could she be enjoying it when all her organs are being kind of destroyed and mm. knocked out? Where we tolerate that. We tolerate, like even in junior cert night, if you walk around the streets in junior cert yeah. night and you see these little brats of young fellas calling out to young and telling her she's a slut or she's a whore. Mm. I want to go over and slap them. How dare they? But forevermore in school, he's decided that's what she is. Mm. And we tolerate that. Like okay. even in the awful case of the young girl that was murdered in Dublin by the two boys. Mm. And I know boy B was kind of portrayed as kind of the innocent party of the two mm. but I remember what he said once about her that she was wearing a slutty top wow. now that was passed over she was when he picked her up or when he collected her or anything said about her even though I don't know I'm not going into the ins and outs of the trial mm. and who he was but he said she was wearing a slutty top and that's tolerated mm. it's a bit like the um, in the courthouse last year yeah. with the with the thong like I don't know just what girls wear how is beyond me um mm. But that's, you go into pennies or duns, that's all you get, like. You know, I mean, I have to search for something for my age group. You know, let's get real, you know. Yeah. But we tolerate that. Yeah. We allow women to be treated badly. We're still in, in a in a world, like, where every February we have a campaign about one billion rising, which mm. highlights the fact that there's three billion women in the world and one billion of them will be raped or sexually assaulted. We're in a society where I don't know how many times somebody would say to me, you know, about male rape, which is just as horrific to me, mm. as female rape, that is worse for the men. I don't see how it's worse for the men. Mm. I really don't. So we, we kind of use the gender as a way to differentiate oh, between the impact. Whatever happens to girls, kind of, is kind of, well, it's their fault, and it's only, like, whatever, and, you know, 
don't be destroying a young man's life over something that happened or mm. you know I mean I saw that with the other rapes in on campus where the girls are kind of coming out and speaking and the backlash that they're getting about yeah. it it's tolerated and it just needs to be changed it's a horrific society at times for some women mm. who just don't have a, a hope from the time they're born to kind of you know homeless women get raped refugee women mm. get raped Muslim women get raped mm. um they can't use this excuse anymore of kind of what you're wearing, what you're doing, mm. because then did women not get raped a hundred years ago? Do Muslim women not get raped? Do other women not get raped? Of course they do. Yeah. It's power and control. Okay. And we are living in a society where men have power and control, and that's what it's about. Okay. And so these conversations are about raising that awareness for both men and women? For society, because they're society. the people who can change it. Okay. They're the people on the juries. You know, the way yeah. <coughs> you'll often be in a rape case and you'll hear kind of, well, we need more training for the judges. And every time I'm saying, why? Because all they can do is pass sentence. Okay. <coughs> the, ju- the juries decide guilty or not guilty. Yeah. And the juries are made up of us. Yeah. I mean, all yeah. the judge can do in, in the case is make sure legally things go right. Mm. Just legally. He's watching out for, or she's watching out for technicalities and this kind of thing. But the jury will decide, mm. and the jury will look at the credibility of the victim, as well as the evidence. You're only supposed to look at the evidence, but I can guarantee you, they look at the credibility mm. of the victim. And he, of course, you know, in a rape case, the perpetrator doesn't even have to go on the stand. He doesn't I even have to stand up and give evidence. He doesn't have to open his mouth. He'll sit there with his new suit on him and his new, sh- new shirt mm. and tie, and mammy rubbing his hair, which I've seen many a time. Mm. Um, knowing and maybe even having meeting that girl after the rape because we're, we're called up to sexual assault treatment unit mm. knowing what's happened to her and he's sitting there like a good little boy um, and the barrister's kind of fighting the state has to prove it happened mm. she has to go on stand as you saw in the Belfast yeah. rape case for weeks on end he doesn't have to go on stand at all and a lot of time they don't and the jury are warned not to take anything from that because he doesn't go on stand so he just has to say either it was consensual or I'm not guilty or it didn't happen Nothing else. He doesn't have to. He doesn't have to be questioned or no. interrogated. No. But she does if she's yeah. case. Okay. And what we read out would be maybe the um, interview that he gave to the guards at the time, where he it might be shown on video or to be read out, and that's it. Where, yeah. you know, it really she, is set up against the victim. T- totally. Yeah. And then if a jury have to believe beyond any reasonable doubt, yeah, it's very very hard. But then you have a lot of women in it, young women in it, who will see a girl. Maybe she was. Um, a bit drunk, maybe she, whatever, um, and they say, well, I wouldn't put myself in that position, so therefore it wouldn't happen to me, so it's probably more to it than meets the eye, and, you know, it's an awful thing, like, to sentence a guy for this kind of crime, it's an mm. awful thing to say this against him, mm. and in my 36 years, I've never met a girl that lied about what happened, never. And I think that's never. fascinating, because that's the story that we have there's something like a one percent, a one percent false accusation, false accusation of rape. And often, if you look at the people who do, they might have mental health issues. Mm. They might have different issues. And I can guarantee you, the ones that I have met who withdraw the statements, the guards are very quick about bringing them to court mm. for wasting guard of time. I've seen that. Wow. I saw it years ago too, with a young girl who withdrew her statement immediately. Um, after it happened, she was a teacher. She was just coming, finished kind of training, and she was coming to Cork. She met her friends. Again, she didn't get into a nightclub. She tried to make her way home. Um, and then when they came home laughing and giggling, she kind of lost and said, you know what happened to me on the way home? Okay. Nothing had happened. But you know the way she just wanted yeah. to pay for leaving her? Because it took her ages to get home. Um, and the guards were called. But the next morning, she went down and she withdrew it. 
okay. and was very apologetic and very kind of shocked. Okay. I, I think that she even did that. I think she had a few drinks on her, but she mm. was shocked. Was it a nightmare? Did this, did this really happen? Yeah. They took her to court. Wow. I remember the time there was a, a visiting judge and he brought her back to court twice. This was a young girl, finishing college, had a job teaching, lost a job, because of course I'll never forget the courtroom. I've never seen it as full. I mean, I remember even the, the porter that was there at the time showing me the back door to get her out the back door. I'd never seen it as full with a rapist. Okay. It was packed. I think that's the point, though, isn't it? Was it was packed. Yeah. And then, you know, she had to go on, get probation reports. There was the, the probation service was saying, there's nothing to do on her. This was like her life. She did went to school. She's gone here and now. Yeah. Um, there was just no forgiveness there, and it was appalling. Mm. And, of course, the papers loved it false yeah. allegations don't we all say this about young girls young girls are liars yeah. young girls are sluts young girls are this that and the other and as the more we do that we're letting these men who are continuously doing it to keep doing we're it we're looking at the wrong thing without, altogether yeah. Yeah. yeah yeah whereas I, whereas if we looked at it the same way like I say with the elderly or the man who's been raped well then we can kind of make a difference but for as long as we blame the girl for as long as we tolerate Washington Street on a Saturday night Mm. Where guys decide to grope girls because they can, mm. and it's just a great laugh. And the girl stands up and says, "Don't do that. Uh, what's wrong with you? Mm. Can you not take a joke? Are you being a prude?" Or even her friends might say, "Sure, it's nothing because it's happened to them so often. Mm. We tolerate it. Mm. That has to stop." I mean, you have guys doing this who feel so entitled to do it mm. that they, if they see a girl and they decide she needs to be grabbed, they just do it. They don't know her. Mm. They don't know her past. They don't know. If she's been abused, if it's going to trigger something, mm. they don't know if she's mourning for somebody. They don't care if she's just a piece of meat walking up um, in whatever she's wearing for a disco. Like, what are you supposed to wear for a disco? Wrap yourself in a one piece. <laughs> Do you know? Yeah. It's fascinating that we talk about what they're wearing because, you know, like if my car got robbed, nobody asked me what I was wearing mm. when I said it got robbed. And they never they never disbelieve that it got robbed. You know what I mean? No, that, that, that it was, but they do when it becomes sexual for some reason. If you're usually if you're female and if you're of a certain age group and if you dress a certain way, it's much easier it's to just yeah, it's no big deal. So, like if there is one of five girls being raped, we need to look at the men who are doing it. We need to stop the language of kind of, you know, if you've done a lot raped, around Instagram we need to change it into kind of this man raped a girl. Like let's just put it where it belongs because it. I hate the idea of kind of like thirty six years on, hmm. still seeing, still having to keep Wednesday afternoon free here for all the secondary school students coming in. Okay. If the council's here on a Wednesday afternoon, the rule is you only see secondary school students. I don't care who else wants to be seen. That's their half day, and they can leave school without anybody knowing where they're coming okay. or without feeling like, who, who does she think she is? Or if young boys coming in, so we don't want them to be treated like, who does he think he is going, leaving on a Friday at 10 o'clock? Okay. So we try and do that on, on, a, th- on, a, on a Wednesday afternoon. I don't want to see a situation in another 30 years where in the same situation where men are still doing this, certain men are doing it, mm. um, and girls are still being blamed for it. That has to change. It has to be changed. So I think if we stop the conversation at all, well, then it won't change. We have mm. to keep chipping away. And doing things like the campaigns, we're doing the Ask Consent, yeah. and having Bunting all up and down all up the Street, and having BT involved, which was great. Mm. You know, the way they put um, our Bunting and our stuff in the window of the men's department, mm. which I thought was phenomenal. It was really kind of showing something, was saying to the men, ask consent I think that was great so we need to keep chipping away in UCC with the students but really with the general public because they're the people on juries they're the people that are going to decide mm. it like I know um, I had a young girl staying with me the other night and my own two daughters are well grown up so I was kind of well past this <laughs> and she lived out in West Cork and I was kind of saying it doesn't matter what time you're 
you know, you, you feel like coming home, but just ring me and we'll go down, go down and pick you up because I mm. live in city centre. Um, and it was two o'clock or something. She texted about 12 and said she wanted to stay out later and I said, off you go. Um, but I was just really aware of the guys, a few young fellas I knew from my area who were kind of going out as well. And all they did was put their jacket on and leave. Mm. And all they did was walk back. It didn't even dawn on them. Mm. You know, where she was planning kind of, okay, if you're coming, I'm coming up this road, I'll be on this street, not mm. this one. I'll be, and that's what girls have to do constantly. Mm. So even recently there was two rapes outside by strangers that, you know, the media became aware of mm. in Cork. And all of a sudden there was stuff on about telling girls not to wear earphones, to be careful, to be this, that and the other. Like, I don't know how more careful they can be. Yeah. You know, and, and Just not leave the house, I think. So that exactly. Other, so that people and, who and are raping And they would kind free. of say that to girls, like, don't leave the house. But they wouldn't say to all the men, stay in. <laughs> no. But I'm sure the genuine men, if you said to them, look, there's something going on. Hmm. Will you ever stay in after 11? I'd say most of them would. And the ones who want to rape won't, you know. Hmm. So it's, but why are the victims always told... This might yeah. happen to you. It's your fault, so get out of the way, but not tell the perpetrators. We're really kind yeah. of trying to get you now, really have to get you. And that's why the good guys have to start talking. Yeah. They're kind of saying, I know my friend is doing it. Mm. I know he's doing it. But how, how do, how do you have that conversation when it's close? Because even that 80%, right? So the, the, the women who, and the men who've experienced that 80% where they knew the person, and it gets very murky for lots of reasons. And the 20% is what I was raised to believe rape looked like. Rape was somebody pulling me down yeah. an alleyway that I didn't know who was waiting all night, you know. Um, whereas the reality is that 80% is what... Is, is rape. Is rape. Yeah. But that 80% isn't what we've understood rape to be. No. So either have the friends, that the guys who see the body talking to you on and know that something's not right about the way he's behaving, but he's, he's not expecting that 80% either. He's expecting that 20%. So how Absolutely. do how do we and become aware of that? We have to keep the conversation going, and that's why these campaigns work because okay. you are changing the conversation. Or we're changing stuff even with Juicy C when they put stuff out. We are changing, hmm. um, you know, anybody who's doing projects. If they want to do a strange one with me, I'd say no because that's not the reality. Hmm. It's slow because every time you kind of maybe think, okay, this generation now are starting to get it. Even another generation coming up who are with the belief that's a stranger, and you know, if you knew somebody, it couldn't be real rape, especially if you're already in a relationship with this guy. Mm. Um, because there was stuff in law whereby if somebody had, was in a relationship and she was raped, well, it couldn't be rape because it means she must have been by law, mm. by probability, she probably did want to be with him again. So, why wouldn't you want to be with mm. a guy again? So, you have to keep chipping away, you have to keep talking, you have to keep changing legislation. Like last year. At least for the first time in law, there's a definition of consent, okay. which there wasn't before. That's fascinating, um, isn't it? There wasn't a, yeah. a definition of it. Like, if you think up to 1992, rape in marriage wasn't a crime. Like, that's not that long ago. And when you think of that 80%, that completely gave somebody complete well, control. women who kind of went to refuges all the time, women who mm. needed support, and they could go to court and say the husband was beating them up, but they couldn't go to court and say he was raping, because... Mm. He, he legally, as a married man and a married woman, he was entitled by law, by Irish law, not mm. just even the church, mm. to rape her, which is appalling. Mm. So, I mean, over the years, as well as campaigning and talking and shouting, we were kind of doing stuff, lobbying for changes yeah. in legislation. And then I think you have to be careful the way you shout, because um, we're kind of subtle, but I think we're really kind of out there as well, because if you're in somebody's face, or if you're roaring, like, say, I know... In Cork, when there's a few campaigns where there's water charges or different things, which I would kind of be backing, but sometimes when you're on the street and they're roaring at you, you feel like saying, "Would you just go away?" Well, because you're you're not on the street to hear that, so they're and roaring I'm, at I'm, you. Yeah. 
I'll pay for my water just to spite you or something. Do you know that kind of thing? <laughs> just get like out of my windows, way. Like, as you can see, we're in a building, very city centre, and, mm. you know, traffic stops outside the windows all the time. Mm. And we use the windows as kind of a marketing tool. Mm. Um, if we've asked consent up at the moment, we'll have, at Christmas, we have the, this um, posters of baubles, Christmas baubles with a cracked one, and it just says Christmas can be fragile. Because oh, like it can it. be fragile yeah. for, say, people who've been abused or going home. The abuser was in the house, the family know, mm. and they're kind of saying, get over it. Um, he was 16 when he did it, he's married now with a few kids, would you ever mm. stop it? Or, but know, the impact be, is still there for yeah, the person, it could be the young girl going back to the parish where the guy is there and he's mm. celebrating, he's all this kind of stuff, and he'd be saying kind of, and, you know, Catherine's getting on really great now in college, or I meet her a lot. And all this kind it of stuff makes her even more voiceless. Totally, yeah. and that's yeah. what they do. They make them yeah. voices. They really trap them, um, and they will have stop sex trafficking because we have a huge campaign yeah. going on about human trafficking. So we use this to kind of raise awareness too, because people have often said they they, they know where we are because they see the windows. Mm. And I know other centres, one other centre in Dublin, I know have the same kind of windows. And they never put one thing up, and mm. I think it's mad. I also love the door. Um, the purple door it's so easy to find if you were looking for yeah. support and you're overwhelmed or anxious you can find that purple door and i think when we moved here like about 20 years ago um like the place was derelict i mm. mean derelict i mean there's no roofs there's foundations need to be done we'd no money there's a lot of big insurance companies and banks looking for the place because nothing had come up in years but that's another kind of story mm. about how we got the building and we were on McCarthy Street. We were in a great place, up the stairs, if you could find us. Mm. Um, landlord on site, so everything was fixed. It was nice and cosy. And for me, it was a bit too cosy. You know, okay. if you wanted to stay there and just provide counselling, which is really beneficial for people, mm. well, then stay there. But if you want to make an impact, as far as I was concerned, and see other people, see men coming in, uh, see younger people coming in, see schools coming in, mm. and really have people, like, say, I know one school up the road, where I think they have 40, 50, and they're saying, do you want us to come down, or will you come up? I'm going to try and get them down, which yeah. you do every year, because they see the place. Um, like if young in making badges, they see the place. We have mm. different things kind of going on, because they see it. So it is about involving the community. This mm. isn't going to change by a centre like us being hidden away, just doing a one-to-one -one kind of counselling stuff, even mm. though I know um, all the funding we get is for counselling and I think that's what Tusa would be interested in just that element of it mm. the rest of it can well I think that's important, important for somebody who's a victim but to prevent it to have the conversations to, gi to give victims voices you, there's a whole load of work done Absolutely. because walking in that door as a victim is probably one of the hardest things they're going to do I think it's phenomenal that I think they're going to choose so to do much, so much admiration for somebody mm. who puts foot up those steps mm. and walks in not knowing what they're going to meet are they going to be worse are they going to open up things that they didn't know about mm. and what's the point because it's already happened all this stuff is mm. going through their head are they losing their mind um everything it's mm. awful awful what people have to go through because of what somebody else did to them and then what keeps them stuck is the shame and the guilt they feel ashamed because of what often what the rapist might say to them when he's raping them mm. or called them or touched them or whatever and then the guilt about kind of I shouldn't have drank I shouldn't have gone with him I shouldn't have got up that morning I shouldn't have stayed out so late I shouldn't have and I hear this from 14 year olds mm. I remember meeting little 14 year olds who'd been raped I remember one in particular she looked like she was 12 and she was befriended by an older guy in a school she was finding it diff difficult to settle into a school as can happen mm. like even though the one I was with yesterday I really liked them and there's a thousand students there and I often think God if you were lost in there by God you would be so lost because mm. with the best will in the world it, you couldn't keep an eye people, on kind yeah. of that many and she's befriended by this guy who was really popular in the school so bit by bit she became popular 
and then one day he at a fair he decided to rape her like a lot of rapes happen during the day it's not always yeah. drinking that kind of thing and meeting her just a short while after that she looked about 12 I think that day she'd kind of first time put makeup on because she probably had a crush on him of course she had yeah, a crush yeah. on him but they feel guilty to say that um, and then she felt so guilty about it and just asking her like how how could it be her fault because when you're with somebody just before they've been examined you're not mm. going to go into anything mm. they're anxious enough about being examined mm. it's like somebody in crisis who's waiting to see if they're going to be housed in five minutes time mm. or is their bomb going to go off you're not going to be sitting there saying how do you feel like yeah. yeah you know it's more kind of this is who we are when you're ready and this kind of thing yeah but remember she just looked at me she said i should have known he wasn't interested in me so because she got herself done off a little bit no, not much, because it's during the day, and yeah, yeah. you know, neighbours and all that would be around. And then he said, "Come for a little walk." And then he raped her. It was her fault. Now that has to stop. Mm. Now where are they getting that from? Yeah. Only from society. Only from adults. Mm. Only from you know, girls being warned about this, that, and the other. And then this happens to her, and like she's fourteen, mm. that's like her entry into school. And that guy will keep doing it and doing it, and he'll think it's hilarious. And he knows what he's doing. And I'm sick and tired of the kind of stuff where people say do they realise the impact do they know what they're doing yes they know what they're doing mm. because I bet you if he saw somebody doing the exact same thing to his sister he'd probably mm. beat him yeah because he would know exactly what was going on and I think that's know. the dehumanising piece of it is that if it was close to them we know that they would be aware that that was unacceptable and not happy have you ever watched the film The Meeting no yes no I did yeah. with the case from Dublin wasn't it yeah yes I thought that was fascinating yeah. how she came back you, and faced it yeah did you see it in the gate or, or no no I actually saw a screening of it <coughs> okay, in Dublin because yeah. she was down in the gate and I was kind okay. of doing questions and answers afterwards with her but there's one telling part like where I said to her how did you do it how did you not go across the table at him because I would have gone across the table yeah. at him especially at the part where he was kind of bragging about kind of how well he's doing now and that he's a group of friends and then he kind of smirked away and he was looking straight at her by kind of saying that there was a woman who we kind of liked in the group and she asked him there one night to bring her home yeah. and he said of course I will because you'd want everybody to get home safely and this was like this woman's story and she wanted to know why did you pick me you hadn't talked to me that night mm. you hadn't met me he did like say to her he thought with her red shoes and that she was asking which needed to be taken down a peg or two mm. so he didn't follow her because he fancied her like mad Mm. He followed her because he decided she needed to be taken down a peg or two. It was a power piece. That's rape. Yeah. But that, it's always, I've never seen one that isn't like okay. that. Okay. I've never seen one that isn't. You know, I talked to somebody recently who was raped when she was in a business trip and, you know, the guy was there the next morning. She said, why did you do this to me? What did you do to me? Um, and this is somebody who doesn't drink. Yeah. Um, and he knocked her out and, you know, he just looked at her and he walked over to her and raped her again. You know, and that is rape. Yeah, and I think that we have to understand the different variation, the way it looks, because that isn't what I was taught. That isn't the conversation that I hear about. The rape conversation is rape is the is a stranger. Yeah, and it's always some big event, as in yeah. as in there's something very violent that the sexual piece itself isn't the violence, but that is often sometimes the only violence that occurs. Is it is, but piece. I think anybody penetrating your in any kind of way is violent. But you when know? you're watching and you're familiar with the po- with porn and you're familiar with the, the type of violence that they perpetrate alongside sex, yeah. it's it does create confusion for victims to be able to identify actually that was rape. That is exactly what rape means. Well, I think what yeah, I think is more what um, because maybe a lot of them haven't watched the porn, but it's the fact that it's a friend of theirs and mm. he wouldn't do this and he's a really nice guy, 
and don't get them into trouble and kind of maybe I misunderstood it. But they'll always play, they like play head games with you. Mm. Like I can guarantee you when I meet somebody in Seattle who says to me they raped two days ago and the guy was in school with them. And I'd say, how many texts have you got from him since? Mm. And she would have got quite a lot. And I'd say, right. I'd say he's testing the ground. Or kind of like a young girl, I remember saying to me that she was getting a tone with a guy. She knew him fairly well. He raped her in the car. Um, she was shocked by it. He kind of dropped her near where she lived. He threw her out of the car. And then she ran in. She went to bed. I don't think she slept all night. And the next morning she was still in bed. The mother couldn't get her up. And she was still trying to come to terms with, did this really mm. happen? Or this, and what I do? And then the mother came up to her and she said, you must be in some state last night. There's a lovely young man downstairs. He said you left your bag in his car. And he's after coming all the way out with it. Would you not even come down and say thank you to him? Oh, my God. That's rape. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. And that's how they play head games. Mm. And that's why, like, you know, one in four will only report. But it's how the 80% are caught. Like, you think, like, these guys might go to another county to do it even, or somewhere where they're not known, or maybe do it, maybe at a festival where you're never going to meet the person again. Mm. No, it's nearly, they nearly always do it. Somebody they know, somebody they know can't report, or somebody, a woman I met, who was our best friend's husband who's given her a lift home the the two had just got married and the best friend was there visiting and you mm. know he said you have a few drinks there with, with your friend and i'll drop you home mm. who can she tell mm. because if she tells a friend she say i knew you always liked him and you probably threw yourself at him mm. or this kind of thing yeah um it's more complicated when there's a relationship of some sort always. There, and it's much harder for the victim to identify because at least if it's, if it's um a stranger it's horrific we, yeah but it's a stranger and you can talk to people about it mm. even though you're back into kind of what we're doing walking what we're doing there what we're doing whatever but nobody's know, defending kind of them thing. because they exactly. don't know them either exactly okay so, so it, in groups I find if a girl gets, gets raped in a group she'll be the one isolated she'll yes. be the one not to go away on holidays with them she'll be the one that's being pushed out she'll be the one that'll be queried all he has to say is kind of Jesus, I really thought you wanted it. If there's DNA, and we presume that's the truth, then we take that. Like as a society, we listen. So if somebody is listening to this and they've had they've had an experience, where do they turn for support if they've been raped? They're a victim. The majority of people want to talk to their friends. Okay, that's what they will say. I mean, I'd love them to come to a centre like this if they needed that kind of support. I'll go anywhere for support. But the majority will say, "I wish I could just talk to my friends, my family about it because they matter so much to me." And they're the people who want to believe me. I know you believe me, but I want my friends to. But at the same time, there are rape crisis centres all around the country that I think they should go into, or they could go into. Mm. There's no shoulds for support if they want Mm. it. I think if people don't want to go for counselling, that's okay. Mm. I mean, what I see happening is. People come in and they say, I never dealt with it, I didn't go for counselling. I think if they get up in the morning and put a kettle yeah. on, they're dealing with it. Because it adds to the guilt. And a lot of people will never go for counselling. And a lot of people will be doing quite okay by not going for counselling. Mm. It's how they're able to cope, it's how they're able to manage. And they function quite well. And I'd say if they're functioning quite well, well, keep going. Mm. If you were a counsellor in another organisation dealing with something else, and they're okay to deal with it, go there. It doesn't mm. have to be... A particular service but I mean there are rape crisis centres where they're available and want to kind of see you and want to support mm. you but wherever I'd say to them is whatever happened and wherever way you look at it it's just not possible it could have been your fault it's not possible because it's a crime so it's just not possible okay okay thank you if you have been affected by anything discussed in this episode please seek support
Thanks for listening to The Tilted Podcast and I'm your host, Sheila Walsh. If you'd like to sponsor The Tilted Coaching Podcast, simply pop over to patreon.com slash tiltedcoaching and sponsor the podcast for as little as a cup of coffee a month. If I didn't say it correctly, pop over to the link in the bio, visit the Patreon page and become a sponsor. Thanks a million.